Hey guys, you're listening to Web of Wicked. We're a mother-daughter duo that bond over true crime. I'm Erin, I'm the mom. And I'm Kayla, I'm the daughter. On this podcast, we cover some sensitive topics, so listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, welcome back to Web of Wicked. Today we want to give you an update on one of our past cases. This case is back from the beginning, our third episode, The Bell and the Boxer. The case took place in San Juan, Puerto Rico, back in 2021. It dealt with the murder of Keshla Rodriguez Ortiz, Felix Verdejo, who was a professional boxer and hometown hero, was charged with her murder, along with an accomplice. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, definitely go back and give it a listen. But to give a very brief overview of the facts, Felix was living with a woman he referred to as his wife, Elise Santiago. They had a two-year-old daughter together. Felix had known Keshla, the victim, since middle school. They had an on-and-off sexual relationship for over 10 years. For him, it was probably mainly the sex that kept him coming back. It came out in the trial that he was juggling multiple women at the same time. But for Keshla, she really loved Felix. And I think she convinced herself that he loved her and they would end up together in the end. And he used that power to control her. Always teasing her with the hope that someday he would be with her forever. But in April of 2021, Keshla had news. She announced to Felix that she was pregnant and he was not happy. And he made it clear he wanted her to have an abortion. When she refused, a horrible convoluted plan was hatched to get rid of her. Forever. There's a ton of background and details to the story that paint the whole picture, so definitely go back and give our episode a listen. Just forgive the audio. (laughs) My mom, being in Puerto Rico, followed along closely with the trial. She translated all of the live tweets on a day-to-day basis throughout the whole thing. So she's going to fill you in on some of the highlights of the trial and the outcome. Hey everyone, I've been waiting a long time for this trial. The whole island has been. Keshla's story is a terrible and heartbreaking one all on its own. But she's also become the face of the many women who have lost their lives due to gender violence on the island. So it's really caught the attention of all of the residents of Puerto Rico. When the news first hit, it had a lot to do with Felix's star power. But over time, we learned about Keshla as a person her love for animals, the close relationship that she had with her family, and how excited that she was to become a mother. And now, Felix has faded into the background. He's just the villain who plotted and carried out a vicious attack on an innocent, expecting mother. And people have turned their focus to celebrating Keshla and her unborn child, and getting justice for them. And after two years, the trial finally got underway at the end of June. And over the next month, the prosecution and defense presented their cases to the 12-person jury. It was interesting, to say the least. Back in 2021, it was decided that the case would be tried federally instead of locally. And so the trial was held in the federal court in Hato Rey. It was conducted in English, so participants who weren't fluent in English, like Felix, wore earpieces with a translator translating everything that was going on. There was no video of the trial broadcast, 
only live tweeting from reporters in the courtroom. Because of that, I had to be a little careful when following along with the trial. Because of translation issues, a few details have gotten confused or just didn't seem to make sense. They were usually clarified later, but it's just one more hurdle when following along with this case. And if anyone knows how things can get lost in translation, it's me. And I think the language barrier is a big reason why you haven't seen a ton of people covering this case in the United States. Besides a few small articles here and there, mostly in boxing publications, it hasn't gained much traction. So how it's being done is the lawyers and the judge speak in English, but most of the witnesses speak Spanish. So when the questions are asked, they have to be translated into Spanish for the witnesses to understand before answering. Then they answer in Spanish and that answer is translated back into English. Most of the reporters in the courtroom are native Spanish speakers. Some are bilingual. But if you're not a Spanish speaker, it's not easy to make sense of everything being reported. It's kind of like a game of telephone. It starts in English, gets passed on in Spanish, and then gets put back into English and gets passed on. Then the reporter tweets it in Spanish in their own words. And finally, I translate the tweets into English and report the important things to you guys. So if you find a small detail reported slightly differently, it's most likely something to do with how the source translated it. But I did my best to research and vet everything I'm reporting to you guys here. Now, if you listen to our first episode, you know that the star witness in this trial was Felix's accomplice, Luis Cadiz Martinez. Almost immediately after the murder, when he saw how the chips were going to fall, he went to a lawyer and made arrangements to turn himself in and give a full account in exchange for a lesser sentence. But as we'll find out, the account he gave to the FBI in the beginning was a little bit different to what he ended up testifying to at trial. He even kept up the lie in front of the first grand jury. And obviously, the less than truthful version had him participating less in everything and placing most of the blame on Felix. He now says that he lied under the direction of his then-lawyer, Edwin Prado, and there's a lot of controversy surrounding this lawyer. He's a popular defense attorney in San Juan, and he's known for defending people considered high up in the world of narcotics trafficking and other serious crimes like murder. He even had Luis try to call Felix to offer his services in representing him. But Felix never answered and got different attorneys. And we'll talk more about him later. We went through everything that Luis said happened on that fateful day in the Bell and the Boxer episode, so I'm just going to go over the things that were different about the story he told in trial, the things he changed. Now, he did end up coming clean about these details with investigators before the trial, it's not like he got up on the stand and surprised them by changing his testimony. But the public and media outlets didn't know about the changes until Luis was up on the stand testifying. So that was a big twist on a day that was already the most anticipated of the trial. The first thing that was a little different than we reported in our episode was where Luis was hiding when Keshla got into Felix's truck. There was some confusion about whether he was hiding in the truck or out on the street somewhere, around a corner or behind a car. 
ends up that he was crouched down in the back of Felix's Dodge Durango, hiding. Felix's SUV had dark tints, so Cashla wouldn't be able to see in easily anyway. Cashla got into the passenger side seat of the vehicle with the paperwork confirming her pregnancy in hand. She started talking to Felix and was startled when she realized that she wasn't alone in the vehicle with him. Luis testified that when she had that scared, confused reaction, Felix hit the locks on the door. And that was a detail that I hadn't heard before. That gives me the chills just thinking about that. Imagine what was going through her mind in that exact second. Like, she must have felt confused, scared, maybe angry, but probably just absolute fear. Yeah, and that morning she had talked to her mom and she had warned her against going to meet him in person. I can just imagine that her mother's words must have flashed through her mind in that minute. And the betrayal. Whatever you want to say about their relationship, if it was wrong or right, this was somebody that she knew since middle school. Someone that she had an intimate relationship for over 10 years. And her sister was married to Felix's friend and cousin. And Felix and Keshla were the godparents to their children. Oh, yeah, I remember that from the first episode. That just shows how close this whole family was for so long. Oh, yeah, they all knew each other and everything was intertwined. Even I found out during the trial that Keshla and her sister Berelise had both known Felix's wife growing up, too. Really? Elise? Yeah. Oh, wow. So... I just don't understand how he did this to these women, but he, you find out in the trial, he did it to multiple women. She was not the only one. The wife testified on the stand that at the time that she found out that Keshel was pregnant, she had gone through his phone. She had cloned his phone, and so she was reading his messages. And he was talking to two other girls and had relationships with two other girls at the same time. That's just disgusting. Yeah. So it kind of put some a little bit of humanity back into her where everybody was against her and thinking she had something to do with it. Now it made me think, because she said, why would she plan to have Keshla killed? He was messing around with multiple other women. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I mean, it could be because she was pregnant. Some people say, well, she wanted her gone because... Keshla was pregnant. The other ones weren't, but yeah, I don't know. It was him. He was just the, imagine that you have a wife and a kid and she's beautiful, you know, his yeah. wife and you're juggling three other women at the same time. Yep. How do you even have the time when you're training for professional boxing matches, waking up at 430 in the morning to go train? I don't know. Yeah. And having a young daughter on top of it. Yeah. That's the worst part. Now this little girl has to grow up without her father. Yep. Disgusting. Ugh. So in the first version, Luis pretty much painted a picture that Felix did most everything and he just drove Keshla's car and helped move her body. But what he told on the stand was a little different. Actually, quite a bit different. He now said that when Keshla's face registered surprise at him being there... He grabbed her by the hair and restrained her. Felix proceeded to punch her. 
put a tourniquet around her left arm, and inject her with the drugs. Another thing that we learned in the trial is there wasn't heroin in the syringe. It actually contained fentanyl and xylazine. Obviously, fentanyl is an opiate that's up to 50 times stronger than heroin, but not that many people have heard of xylazine, and that's an animal tranquilizer. It's often used to anesthetize large animals like horses. It's very strong. Veterinarians and farmers often use it in the course of their work. And from what I hear, it's easier to get here in Puerto Rico than it is in the States. And it isn't classified as a controlled substance. It's not even supposed to be used on humans. It's only approved for use in animals. Think about that for a minute. Drug dealers take advantage either buying or stealing it to use by mixing it in with the fentanyl. And it makes the more expensive fentanyl go further. Plus, it provides an extremely strong anesthetic reaction that can last up to eight hours, longer than the average hit of heroin. So it makes users think they're getting quote-unquote a better batch. People who use it intravenously have developed infected sores and rotting skin around injection sites. That, combined with the somnambulist state it puts people in, have led it to be nicknamed the zombie drug. People who abuse it not only go into a zombie-like state, but their flesh begins to rot. Left untreated, these open sores often become infected and have led to arms and legs needing to be amputated. And it's not an opiate. So in the case of an overdose, Narcan would work on the fentanyl in the system, but not the xylazine. And the person could very well still die in spite of being given Narcan to reverse the opiates. It's a terrifying drug. And most people don't even know that they're taking it. They think they're buying heroin. The truth is, at least on the island right now, but it's also in much of the U.S., when people think that they're buying heroin, they're probably going to get some combination of fentanyl and xylazine, like Keshla was injected with. Extremely dangerous and often deadly. But sadly, I guess that's exactly what Felix was hoping for. Do they know where he got this from, like how he even got his hands on it? Okay. Yeah, he bought it in the projects that Luis lived in, and it's the projects that I will talk about it later, but Elise's father ends up the rumors that we talked about in the last episode about him saying he was a businessman, that, but there were rumors that he was actually a drug kingpin, like one of the leaders in the drug world. It turns out those are true, and he ran these casarios, which is what the projects are called here. I think Luis was the one that actually got the drug for him in the projects. But it's a project that Felix hung around in all the time. And mm -hmm. Luis and his brother Ricardo lived there. Mm -hmm. But that's scary, isn't it? That yeah. drug. I had heard about it before living here, but I never really researched it. And I researched it for this. I've heard of some type of drug doing that to people and they called it something like croc something because there's oh that's the crocodile that's different but yeah, yeah. It's, it does similar it makes like their skin rot and you look like a reptile 
Or you look like you were bitten by a reptile or something. I don't know why they call it that, but it makes your flesh rot like to the bone. Yeah, I think that that's a different drug. You know what? Don't even quote me on that. Now I'll have to do more research. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm sorry that I went off on that little drug tangent, but I think many of us know or love somebody with an addiction issue. And it's important to know the updated facts of what's going on so we can educate and help people when it's appropriate. But I'll just end that little soapbox there. Now that we know what these drugs do, let's get back into Luis's testimony. He now admitted to grabbing her by the hair to prevent her from fighting or trying to call attention to the attack. The rest of that part of his testimony was pretty consistent with what we first heard. Felix beat her and then put the tourniquet around her arm and injected her with the drugs. Then the two of them tied her up with the wire and attached a concrete cinder block to her body. Luis got in Keshla's car and followed Felix. And another detail that's different, Luis didn't follow Felix to the bridge in Keshla's car. They stopped and left her car in Hato Ray, and then they went together to the bridge in Felix's Durango. And once there, they both participated in throwing Keshla over the side into the lagoon below. But despite their preparations with the concrete block, she didn't sink. In the first story, Luis said that Felix got out of the truck and shot at Keshla twice from the top of the bridge down into the lagoon where her body was floating. But now, on the stand, his story was much different. He testified that Felix handed him the gun and told him to shoot Keshla. And Luis said that he tried to refuse telling Felix, we did enough. Leave her there so her family can find her. But Felix said no, her body must disappear. And after some back and forth, Luis exited the truck and walked to the edge of the bridge. He said Keshla was floating face up in the water, and he claims that he couldn't bear to shoot her. So with Felix looking on from inside the truck, he fired two shots into the water to the left of the body, purposely missing her. We knew in the last episode that she wasn't hit with any bullets, so that could make sense. Or he could be a bad shot, just like we thought Felix was. What do you think, Kayla? Yeah, I remember in the first episode, we were kind of making fun of Felix, like, oh, he's not only a shitty person, but he's also a bad shot. Yeah. (laughs) But... I mean, this story makes a little more sense. Maybe he truly did just feel bad and couldn't bear to do that and purposely missed shooting her body. I kind of believe that because... Me too. It was only like 16 feet down from the top of the bridge and she was straight down. Mm -hmm. I think that he probably could have shot her if he had wanted to, but I don't know. The way the story was told was kind of believable. Yeah, and I feel like if Felix was the one to shoot at her body, he definitely would have hit her on purpose. Like, he definitely wanted her dead and gone. Yeah. So if he was the one to be shooting the gun, he would have hit her. Yeah, and he had plenty of more rounds left in the gun to fire more shots, too. But the thing with me, what did he think? If he put bullet holes in the body, it was going to sink faster? I mean, what the hell? Did he not think she was actually dead yet? 
Maybe. Huh. I didn't think of that. I was just like, why would he think that shooting holes in her? She's not a boat that if you shoot uh, holes in it, it's going to get water in it and sink. Yeah. It was weird to me. Maybe he's just an idiot and does think that. Well, look at what he did. He did this plan in rush hour traffic in a very busy part of San Juan. Yeah. Cars were like rushing by going to work. It was crazy. That's what blows my mind. Like, no one saw them taking this body and throwing it over the edge. I guess not. Like, that's crazy to me. I could understand if it was in the middle of the night or, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. When nobody's really on the road. But, I mean, most everybody knows that since 9-11, I mean, I know this is Puerto Rico, and a lot of people think that it's a third world country over here, but, you know, since 9-11, every bridge especially main bridges like this, are monitored with surveillance. Yeah. I don't, I think he was just so desperate. He got sloppy. He is sloppy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, anyway, that was the second big thing that changed from his first story. At first, he said Felix fired the shots, and now he admits that he was the one who did it. Another huge thing was that after the shots were fired... They drove off, turned around, and passed back over the bridge. They stopped again, and Felix got out to see if the body had sunk. It hadn't. So Felix proceeded to throw himself off the side of the bridge, 16 feet down into the water. And to his surprise, the water was much shallower than he thought it was. It was only between 3 and 4 feet deep. And you'd think that these were things that you'd research before trying to get rid of a body there. But like we just said, no one ever claimed that these two were brain surgeon material. Anyway, Felix later told Luis that when he jumped in the water, he swam, dragging the body under the bridge, wrapping the wire around her neck and using it to submerge her under the water. And the prosecution called Felix's boxing trainer up to testify that he was a strong swimmer. And he testified that they often train both in pools and in the ocean. He was in top physical condition. He could easily jump from that height into the water and swim the distance that he had to swim to do that horrible deed. So back to Luis's testimony. He said at this point he didn't know what to do. Felix had no cell phone with him, obviously, because he was jumping in the water. So he drove around and around looking for Felix, eventually passing back over the bridge again. And he ended up finding a soaking wet Felix next to a green electrical box near the underside of the bridge. And all of the back and forth over the Theodore Moscoso Bridge was confirmed by video and the Auto Expresso toll system. And the idiot didn't even have money on his Auto Espresso account. So every time his vehicle passed over the bridge, a photo was taken of it in order to send him a ticket for not paying the toll. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. The system doesn't take photos of every vehicle that pass through every day. It only snapshots of the vehicles that have a negative balance on their account. So just another thing this criminal mastermind overlooked. Yeah, he really must have been desperate the way he went about doing this. He was 27 years old, well aware of technology. How did he think he wouldn't get caught? 
Yeah, it also came out at trial that he was trying to track down Keshla the day before to do this, but she kind of blew him off. She told him that she was getting her nails done and that she was busy. And Felix and Luis actually went to the nail salon trying to track her down, but she had already left. And then she didn't answer the phone for Felix until later that night. Her nephew's, their godson's birthday party was going to be on May 1st, and Felix suspected that Keshla was going to tell her family about the pregnancy that day, so he was trying to get rid of her before that day. But little did he know, she had already told her mother and her sister about the pregnancy. That's just absolutely heartless. This is a case of someone who is completely narcissistic and selfish. He thought he, like, had the right to kill her and the baby because their existence was going to make his life very uncomfortable. And I also wanted to ask, how did he not get injured jumping from the bridge into only three to four feet of water? Wouldn't you think that would kind of hurt you? Yeah, I don't know. And if he didn't expect it was that low, I don't know. Hmm. Just weird. Anyway, he's a boxer. He's in crazy good physical condition, you know? Yeah. Just another thing that shows he's a complete idiot and didn't really plan very well for this. Oh, yeah. I don't know what he thought, that the body would get taken out of the lagoon out into the open ocean. I guess that must have been what he was hoping for, because I don't think things don't disappear and stay underwater, hidden in three feet of water forever. Uh. Yeah, exactly. So besides the still camera shots of the truck going through the tolls, there was also video. And you can actually see his truck pulled over on the bridge. And a person jumping off the side of the bridge. And finally, a person being picked up near the electrical box. It wasn't clear enough to positively identify that the figure was Felix, but the body type matched. And all of the video and photo evidence matched up to Luis's testimony. Another part of the story is what happened to Keshla's car. There were some small differences in the stories about where it was eventually found. In the end, Luis, who had a car washing business inside the projects where he lived, told his brother Ricardo that he needed a ride back from Canavanas. He had detailed a car for a client and needed to deliver the car, but he had no ride back. And Canavanas is where Keshla's car was eventually found. So his brother had a friend drive him the 40 minutes to Canavanas, and they picked Luis up. According to the testimony of both brothers, Ricardo had no idea of the plan to commit murder at that time, and he had no idea that it was Keshla's car that Luis was dropping off. Both brothers testified that when Ricardo saw the news story with agents recovering Keshla's car on the news, he knew his brother had involved him in the crime, and he confronted him. The brother, Ricardo Cadiz Martinez, also testified at the trial. And Ricardo was also a friend of Felix. He was actually said to be much closer to Felix than Luis. So a lot of people don't believe that he didn't know about the plan to murder Keshla. He testified that Felix had confided in him about getting a girl pregnant and asked him to get abortion pills for him. But when pushed, Felix admitted that the girl didn't want the abortion, so Ricardo never got the pills. Both brothers say that was the extent of Ricardo's involvement, but a lot of people think that he was involved. 
And once the jig was up, the brothers made a decision that there was no sense in both of them going down, so they agreed on this story. Throughout Felix's trial, there was so much damning evidence, his attorneys didn't have much to use as a defense. So they tried to insinuate that maybe the two brothers did this crime on their own, and Felix had no part in it. But that makes no sense. Neither brother knew Keshla, and they had absolutely no motive. How would they have both of Felix's phones and Felix's truck, and Felix knew nothing about it? Keshla wouldn't have gotten in the car if Felix wasn't inside. Yeah, in my opinion, that story makes absolutely no sense. But was it ever proved or figured out if Felix possibly paid Luis for helping him for this? Yeah, that's the big question. They were trying to, like, get tied down. But Luis would never say, oh, there was an agreement to give me $5,000 to help him. He said it was, like, he sort of said it was implied. And I kind of got the idea that he was, like, so enamored with Felix's fame and that he was getting attention from this famous boxer who threw around money inside the projects where there's a lot of very poor people. So he admitted that, yes, he did expect to either get a favor or something in return, but it was never tied down that it was X amount of dollars. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it could just be that he was almost starstruck by him and wanted to do a favor for this big famous person, but... I don't know. Usually people don't help somebody murder someone for free. Exactly. No, I mean, I think there was definitely something promised to him. And yeah, on the other hand, he did have like a psychiatric history. He had attempted suicide multiple times. And I don't know. You can't excuse what this guy did. It was horrific. And at any point in time, if he had told somebody, done something, he could have saved her life. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like Felix preys on people that have less than him, that have less power than him, that have less money than him. But when you think about what was done to her, it's hard to get around how anybody could do that or help with that. Exactly. And especially knowing it wasn't just her. She was pregnant. Exactly. And that was known to everybody involved. Yeah. But in my opinion, that two brothers story was just a defense tactic because they had nothing else. Whether the other brother knew more ahead of time, I really don't know. But one other small piece of information that came out was that after leaving the bridge, Felix and Luis drove to Isla Verde Beach, a very popular beach for tourists and visitors. They smashed both Felix's burner phone and Keshla's phone against the wall in the parking lot, and then they threw them into the water. As far as I know, police weren't able to retrieve those. And with the waves and the tides going in and out, it would be near impossible. So those are the main changes in Luis Cadiz's story. Obviously, having a star witness that was an accomplice and that signed a plea agreement with the government to testify against Felix, right there, that might make a jury skeptical of his story. And the defense definitely pushed that narrative. On top of it, he had been in trouble with the law before, 
And now he's admitting in front of the jury that he lied to the first investigators and then continued that lie in front of a grand jury. So some people would say, why should we believe him now? And I definitely understand that sentiment. But in this story and knowing how things are in Puerto Rico, I do believe this kid. I really do. Some of his little details may be slightly off, but there were a lot of weird things about this case. Once the news came out of Keshla's disappearance and her ties to famous Felix Verdejo, the media went crazy. The police were crawling all over the Casario Luis lived in and Felix was known to hang out in. The drug dealers that run those Casarios don't take kindly to anyone bringing heat to that area. Right after the murder, Felix actually got a phone call that really shook him up. When news of Keshla's disappearance hit the news stations with her mother naming Felix as the number one suspect, he got a phone call from the Nieta organization. The Nietas are a very powerful Latino gang. They control a lot of the narcotics coming in and out of the island, and they have a ton of power inside the jails. They do not like it when somebody commits a crime that brings attention and has agents crawling all over their territory, losing them money. They told him if he was responsible, he needed to man up and turn himself in. And if he wasn't responsible, they would help him. So that was Felix's warning. If you try to avoid investigators and hide behind your lawyers, it's not going to end well for you or your family. Now, Felix didn't live inside the projects, but Luis and his brother Ricardo did, and they lived there with their mother. And because of being picked up by Ricardo's friend from abandoning Keshla's car and Canavanis, he had involved other people in this whole thing. And that's never smart when committing a crime. The other guy that drove his car to pick Luis up had to be pissed. He didn't know about the plan. He wasn't getting paid or getting anything out of this. And now him and his vehicle were involved in what was shaping up to be the most reported murder in Puerto Rico for years. That guy is going to be talking and telling people his side of the story, making sure that he isn't going to be blamed by the cops or the nietas. So word spread quickly throughout the projects in the underworld that Luis had helped Felix kill Keshla, and both the brothers' lives were now in danger. A family member that's a police officer recommended that Luis talk to a lawyer and turn himself in before he met a fate worse than sitting in jail. And that's what he did. The brothers contacted attorney Edwin Prado that we talked about before. And there's a whole very odd thing that's turned into a bit of a conspiracy concerning him. Luis testified that he lied under the direction of his attorney at the time, attorney Edwin Prado. That Prado told him to tell the story the way it happened, but put all the blame on Felix so that he could get the best deal. And if you don't know, that's not what lawyers are supposed to do. <laughs> no. And the thing that's really strange is that Edwin Prado is not a cheap attorney. Luis and his family don't have that kind of money. And remember Elise, Felix's wife? Her father, Miguel Santiago Laiz, has ties high up in the drug game in the area Casarillos, 
Shortly after Keshla's murder, he was arrested on federal illegal arms charges. A whole crowd of people fought off the police so Miguel could escape. He hopped on the back of a motorcycle, handcuffed and all, and the driver took off. But he was soon apprehended, and he's been sitting in jail since then. I remember in our first episode, we were kind of a little bit hinting at what he was involved in, but didn't want to say it. Yeah, but it's like more information about him has come out, and that's like some El Chapo shit, right? Yeah, it is. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Imagine. Well, people say that the reason why they went after him for those gun charges were because they suspected him of having something to do in Keshla's murder, and they couldn't get enough evidence for that, Mm -hmm. so they went after him for these charges. Yeah. And maybe they thought he caught wind that Kesha was pregnant and Elise is his daughter and he told Felix, get rid of it. Yeah, either he just said that and Felix went about it in his own way and mm-hmm. he can have like plausible deniability. Like, I didn't say get rid of her. I just like said, kill her. Yeah, I don't know. But this guy is a doozy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's been sitting in jail ever since then. Because of that little escape attempt, they convinced the judge to put him on no bond. Mm -hmm. And then in June of this year, I think it was six days before the trial started, Felix's trial, he was Mm -hmm. charged with more federal charges, this time having to do with drugs and drug trafficking. And it shows that he has ties to people that were involved in a murder of a police officer years ago in Puerto Rico. So a lot of people theorize that he had something to do with the plan to murder Keshla and that he was the one to order the crime. Coincidentally, or maybe not so coincidentally, Edwin Prado was also Elise, Felix's wife's attorney. And even more coincidentally... He also represents Elise's father, Miguel Santiago Laiz. When Luis's family was in the lawyer's office, they saw Miguel and Elise also in the office at the same time. And they witnessed Miguel making a large payment in cash to Edwin Prado. So some people believe in the beginning that he was paying for Luis's defense so he could keep Luis under his control and Luis wouldn't implicate him in the plan. But all that is just conjecture and things that I've talked about in the media here. The prosecution tried to get the lawyer subpoenaed to testify at the trial, but Edwin Prado challenged the subpoena, and there was a back and forth that went on for over a week during the trial, but in the end, he was not made to testify. He said like, oh, that's lawyer-client privileged information, and I can't talk to you about anything that Mm -hmm. went on between Elise and Miguel and me. Mm -hmm. To me, following along day by day, the prosecution more than proved their case against Felix. And the defense really didn't put on that much of a defense, in my opinion. They concentrated more on calling up character witnesses, like his trainer, and most of them were Felix's ex-girlfriends. You heard that right. They paraded, I think, four of his exes up there to tell the jury how he was never violent and what a kind and caring, gentle person that Felix was. Never aggressive. 
That honestly makes me sick. And say he truly wasn't violent with these exes, that doesn't mean he wasn't violent now. Like, these exes could be from years ago. People change. One of them was in high school with him. Yeah, exactly. People change into monsters, especially when they get a little taste of fame. So, you know, that's not really helping his case. And also, that's kind of just making him look even worse. Look at all the women he's had. Exactly. That's what I thought. It was a bad look. And all over Twitter and all over social media, everybody was like making jokes about him like that, like in the defense, like, are you for real? Yeah, like, oh, nice. You have a wife and a daughter. And she found out that you were messaging at least two other women and you got Keshla pregnant. And now let's just put all your exes on the stand on top of it. Yeah. And this was the defense, right? Bringing up all these girls to say how wonderful he was. But during the prosecution's case, they brought in a girl who said that he spit on her and disrespected her and slapped her around too. So nice. There were women that said bad things about him too. Maybe he paid those women to talk nice about him. Sounds like he's that type of person. His mother was like recruiting them. And the the prosecution said, like, how did you get contacted? And they had to tell the truth. And these were pretty young girls. So they were probably easily intimidated, too. Yeah. A couple of them said, oh, his mother called me and told me to talk to the lawyer. Yeah. Ridiculous. So back to the outcome. Now, remember, this was a federal case. So it was charged a little differently. He was charged with four charges, carjacking resulting in death, kidnapping resulting in death, intentionally killing an unborn child, and carrying a weapon with the intent of committing a violent crime. The jury was handed the case on Tuesday, July 25th at 4.12 p.m. So they only deliberated about an hour that first day. They continued deliberating Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and tensions were running high people were starting to get a little nervous. I think people thought that they were going to come back really quickly with guilty on all charges. Mm-hmm. A few times during deliberations, the jury sent the judge a question. But on Friday, a flurry of notes started coming in. They don't read the jury questions out loud in real time. They address them in a sidebar with counsel. So no one knew exactly what was happening. Was it a hung jury? But finally, Friday night at 8.19 p.m., they came back with the verdict. On the first charge, the carjacking resulting in death, they came back sin acuerdo. And that meant that they were deadlocked on that charge. They couldn't come to a decision. There was a palpable feeling of nervousness in the courtroom. Would there be a hung jury on all the charges? Keshla's family was crying. The second charge was read, kidnapping resulting in death. Guilty. I think collectively, everyone in the gallery let out a breath. He was also found guilty on the killing of an unborn child charge. On the gun charge, like the carjacking charge, they couldn't come to a unanimous decision. So he was found guilty of two of the four charges. And thankfully, Both of those charges carry a mandatory life sentence, and they scheduled the sentencing date for November 3rd of this year. Why do you think that they couldn't come to a decision about the two other charges? 
Like, I think on the carjacking charge, technically, Keshla willingly got into Felix's truck. Like, they didn't accost her while she was in her car and force her out of her car and into Felix's car. They did steal her car after the fact, but I guess they couldn't come to a unanimous decision that there was an actual carjacking. Yeah, I can kind of understand that. She did willingly get into his vehicle. It's not like he went up to her car window and forced her out of it at gunpoint. Yeah, and on the gun charges, it was Felix's gun. But with Luis changing the story and now admitting that he was the one that fired the gun, not Felix. Yeah. But we found out more information about that just yesterday. The judge ordered that the notes be put on the public record, and it turns out that it was only one holdout on those two charges. The other 11 jurors were ready to convict him on all four charges. But one person had issues with the carjacking charge and the weapons charge. And those are my guesses, like I just said, about maybe why they did. But that's crazy that it was only one person. Yeah. But all in all, at least there were guilty verdicts in this case. And Felix will most likely spend the rest of his natural life in prison. Heshla and her baby have gotten some justice. And I know for the family, it will never feel like justice was truly served. They're always going to have that hole in their hearts and their lives. So we'll leave you with their reactions to the verdict. After the verdict, her mother Kayla Ortiz was quoted as saying, Justice has been done for my daughter and my grandson. I have done justice for both of them because they are two lives. Keshla was sitting on the bench with her baby. I don't think the verdict will be overturned at all. This was a horrible murder, and that should not happen to anyone. She went on to thank all of the parents and other people who have shown their support throughout this whole process. Keshla's sister, Beryl-Lise Rodriguez, who has been a strong voice for her sister from the start, was asked what she misses most about Keshla. She answered that what she misses most is not having her sister. Not seeing her, not hearing her voice when she called me. Mommy, where are you? What are you doing? Just not seeing her. Jose Antonio Rodriguez, Keshla's father, gave the most powerful statement. He said, The truth always prevails. I had many thoughts going through my head, but not in my heart. I got up every day to come here for her. I have always said that he, meaning Felix, will live the rest of his life thinking about what he did to my daughter, and that is the worst punishment. I do not wish him death. I wish him health and that he can live as long as he can. And if he wants to live 200 years, let him live 200 years. But let him always remember what he did to my daughter. Wow. Yeah, that statement got me. Yeah, basically like, sure, live forever, but suffer. Yeah, because so many people were calling for death and, you know, because Puerto Rico does not have the death penalty, but since it was a federal case, he could have gotten the death penalty. And a lot of people were calling for that. But all along, the father said, let him rot in jail and think about what he's done and what he's missing for the rest of his life. Yeah, like I've always had mixed feelings about the death penalty. Yeah, sometimes you just want them to experience what they did to your loved one. 
But it, I think it's almost worse. Like, no, let them rot in a jail cell and have their mind haunt them for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. But as you can see, this is a family that's still in a lot of pain. Of course they are. But hopefully this verdict can give them some peace and help them on their journey of healing. I, for one, am so relieved that this trial is over and that justice has been served. I almost had a heart attack as I was reading the live tweets coming out of the courtroom during the decision. And when I read the first charge that they were deadlocked, I got so scared. But in the end, the jury got it right. And Felix will pay with the rest of his life. He was so concerned that he was a public figure and had a career and a family. Well, now he has no career. He lost his family. And worst of all, now he lost his freedom for the rest of his life. All because he wouldn't man up and face the consequences of his womanizing and infidelity. Because he was so selfish and he thought that his own life was so much more important than anyone else's. He thought he had the right to take away Keshla and her baby's lives. So now he'll pay with the rest of his life. I mean, there's no happy ending to this story, but at least justice was served. Yeah. I mean, these are so tough because you do feel relieved that justice was served, but that doesn't bring Keshla and her innocent little baby back. Yeah. Thanks for listening this week. Next week, we'll be back with a brand new case for you guys. Keshla's case was one of our most listened to cases, so we wanted to give you this update. Yes, thank you for joining us for this update. If any major updates are announced on any of our other past cases, we'll pass along the information to you guys. But that's it for us this week. We hope to have you back next week when we'll attempt to unravel the wicked web of another true crime case. Keep talking about these cases, keep these victims' names alive, and stay safe out there. For all the pictures related to this case, you can find us at Web of Wicked on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you have a case you want us to cover, you can email us at webofwicked at gmail.com. And please be sure to rate and review our podcast on any platform you're listening on. That really helps us out a ton. Thank you for your support, and until next Wednesday, bye! Bye! Bye.